Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. from the WTAF of This Country podcast. I really enjoyed it. If you love that podcast, try our new one, where Pavo... You have to find out about me. And Neil... As you may know, I'm not always the most macho of men. Chat about everything. everything. Are you going to please everybody? I don't think you are. Join us every Wednesday for some fun topical chat where we ask the hard-hitting questions. How do I take my tea? Where we reminisce about days gone by. What is my most embarrassing moment? Would it be soiling yourself somewhere? (laughs) It is, actually. (laughs) Where we give you, the listener, the chance to learn all about us. When you get an ear infection, if you remember, you're sick. You don't even need... That sounded Liverpool. (laughs) Sick. 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 Please download, subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. Thanks for noticing. Pavo and Neil. Chat about everything. everything. Yeah, hey, 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 I like that one. Hi, I'm Ashley Maguire, a.k.a. Big Mandy, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man who just got sacked from the leisure centre as he made his own periscope and was peeping at the girls in the changing rooms. It's Neil. Doesn't everybody do that? Not everybody, no. Only you. Is it wrong to be doing that, though? Yes. It's very, very wrong. Moral lessons start here. Now, our superfan guest this episode is an actor that you'll recognise from such roles as Bosch from Vic and Bob's House of Fools, you twat. Angelo Sepathimu from various things such as the Angelo Sepathimu show and Shooting Stars and is also the other half of the Brian and Roger podcast where he is Roger, the put-upon newly divorced target of pal Brian's schemes and plans. Please welcome Dan Skinner. Hello, Dan. Good morning, wherever you're listening this to this from. At what time of the day, I don't know. But um, hello, everybody. Hello. So, first of all, how are you? We're, we're 
very, very pleased to be speaking to you. It, we, it's one of those things, like we said to Harry uh, on last week's episode, that it's very surreal to see you sat there <laughs> 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 when we've seen you in all these different different guises. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. oh, you know. But, I, I'm, you know, big. I, I'm me as well. You know, at different times of the day, I'm not always running around like a dickhead. <laughs> and there's, uh, well, I, I mean, you know. Well, am, you, yeah, you are. So I want to, yeah. I want to talk to you first of all about Angelos, if that's all right. Yes, yes, sir. So, <laughs> so the start of that character, where did that come from? Where, what was the genesis of that character? Well, um, I was doing, um, I was, I was an actor. And I was doing role play job, you know those sort of corporate role play things. Um, and instead, of, it was for the prison service. And instead of um, um, instead of interviewing people to, for the role of well, not for the role for the job of prison officer, they were putting them through these different role play scenarios. And I was a role play actor. And because it was a civil servant job, you didn't have to have any qualifications. So they used to just bust them in from the job centre, you know, to just to fill up the quotas, make sure loads of people, you know, got seen. And one of the people that came in was Angelos. And he came in to, to, to try and get a job as a prison officer. <laughs> His name was Angelos Epithemu. I changed it to Angelos Epithemu legally. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that was, that was the start of it. That was back in about 2002, I think. Um, and then it just, and then I, I, I met this bloke and I ran back. I was doing a sketch show at the time on stage, you know, the real genesis of it. And I ran to the people I was doing that with. You can't, I can't believe who I met today. Check this guy out. And I did an impression for them. And they said, you've got to put that in the show. And I said, there's no way I can put that in the show. It's like, you know, people will lynch me. And they said, no, no, you're, you've, I think you'll be all right with it. So I put that in the show, and it was the best bit of the show. So it just, that was the very starting point. And then I would go out on stage and thought, I'll just keep doing this bloke. I didn't have any material, and i just go out and just start talking to the audience and doing various bits and bobs. And eventually, over time, the whole thing sort of developed, really. I mean, it took a long time, though. Yeah. Which, so you know, what... what the guy that came into the, you know, into the place that you took the idea from, was he wearing the same sort of clothes and carrying a carrier bag, basically? He didn't have a carrier bag. I actually got that from my granddad. Um, but he did have, he had a shirt that was done up to about there. Right. And he had a tie done up to just wear the shirt. Like <laughs> and he had a big leather jacket hanging off his shoulders. And he just walked, he walked like that. Yeah. I mean, it was just, so it was my interpretation of that bloke, you know, in the way that I thought, so a long tie and an anorak and, you know, originally it was trousers done up with a bit of rope. Just, I've always been attracted to people on the, on the outside, you know, those people at bus stops and I've always found them, They've got a lot of time on their hands. Mm -hmm. I always found them sort of very interesting. So um, it was a joy to be able to make one of those people up. Right. So how did you get involved then with um, Shooting Stars and Vic and Bob? Well, I was doing the Armstrong and Miller show with Lucy Montgomery. Do you know Lucy Montgomery? Name rings Um, a bell. Yeah. And she... And I kept bugging her with this character going... um, sending her notes under her dressing room door going, we've got to talk. 
I am your boyfriend. <laughs> and, and I think I'm in love with you. And I know that you feel the same way. You're not. And she, she, she said, she said, I, 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 you know who would really love that character? Bob Mortimer. I went, oh, really? She said, yeah, send it to him. So I went, all right. So I, I sat on the end of my bed with my video camera and I made a video and I just said, for God's sake, Mortimer, it's about time you gave me a job, isn't it? This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> how long have, how long has the guy got to wait? You know, it's so stupid. I can do anything, you know. He didn't know me from Adam. And um, then I got a, a napkin. I wrote it, I wrote a note on, in pencil saying, here is my video at last. Watch it and give me a job. Posted it off. And I got a phone call. No. Bob saying, I'd like to meet you. So that's how that happened. That's crazy. That is, isn't it? That is crazy. And you've never, you'd never worked with him or come across him or... Well, I was a massive fan. Like yeah. Bob. You know, if someone said to me, what is the job that you would like to do? I'd say it'd be on shooting stars, doing my own character and being allowed to say what I like. Right. And weirdly... That's what happened. So they they did basically give you free run to say and do what you wanted. Mm. They said we'll have a camera on you at all times. Do you like? Oh my god! That must be a, that must be an absolute dream to do that. Well, do- it's it, it's a dream, but it's also a bit terrifying and a little bit overwhelming because at first you go, "What the fuck am I going to say?" <laughs> mm. Jesus Christ! I'm actually going to have to write this down. And so you start writing bits and bobs, and then in the rehearsal you do it. And if the, if the crew didn't laugh in rehearsal, you know it wasn't going in. And then if it, if I did something, I, I could just feel Bob walk from his little podium over to where I was. And he was lovely, the nicest pie, but if, if it wasn't very good, he would say, and he'd go, Dan, you know, I'm not being a, I'm not being a buster or anything, but that's just shit, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll rewrite it. So he was very honest, but he, he you know, he, he got the best out of me, and so did Jim. You know, they, they were just, you know, the nicest people on, in the world. Yeah. And, and did, it, did they guide you as well, though? Um, yeah, they they did. Well, they guided me, like, um, um, yeah, of course they did. Of course mm. they did, because they would say, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. But that works, and they'd say, why don't you wear this or think about doing that? They, yeah, they really did. They really did, because they obviously they know the tone of the show, and yeah, I fit into the tone. And um, and I every every episode, I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get fired, I'm gonna get fired tonight. You know, I felt like that. For, I felt like that for two years. And then the last year, I thought, I think I'm safe. Right, you know, yeah. So when you're yeah. doing things like like doing the DJ in, then are you saying mm. to the production people, "Look, I need you to make me yeah. this," and, yeah. and and they just do it for you? And they made me a, they made me a yeah a box with all sorts of shit on it. Yeah, and I said, "Can I have one of those sound boards that I can just bang, bang, make different noise?" They went, "Yeah, no problem." And then in the second series, I said, "Can you?" Can you put it up on hydraulics like a rapper's car? <laughs> and they went, yeah. <laughs> and they, I was like, wow. So I press a button, you go, and it had all like um, ultraviolet light underneath. Yeah, it was the business. Angelos's unit, it was called. And it must have been a Dan. It must have been a joy when you got to film those little skits. Mm. You know, for the the, the questions with um, Dick and Bob. 
Yeah, which with what like the, their their sketches? You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know when yeah. they were asking the question. Which what, what do you mean? Well, they they would quite often do like uh, the one I'm thinking of. You weren't in it, but the Bruce Forsyth bit when they asked a question, you'd see the film footage of him oh, going through, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. were in a few of those. Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were they were they were brilliant, and and I, I I wasn't in the Bruce Forsyth sketch, but I went along to watch them film that. Yeah. <laughs> the literally, they're just dangling in the woods, you know? yeah, hope and like chucking cucumbers around. Yeah, he's like, wow, this is brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. And you know who filmed those sketches? Yeah. I don't know if you know who Ben Wheatley is. Yeah. Oh yes, Bill absolutely. Speaker. He filmed them. Oh, wow. really? Because of, because of those sketches. Like, I mean, he filmed Coldland, the one that I, that I did with him. Um, and he stuck me in his film High Rise after that. Which I really um, enjoyed. That was, that was cool. Yeah, to work with Ben Wheatley, yeah. More mm-hmm. than one. So which was your favourite of those little interspersed sketches that you did then? Oh, well, um, uh, the B&Q one. Uh, Q&B, was it? The... Um, <laughs> the um, the one about the DIY shop. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect time of year to buy a bucket. Yeah. Like, any colour you like, as long as it's grey. Um, oh, it's just so much fun. And, you... uh, and, and Jim's character name in that was called, he said, what shall I be called? I said, call yourself Nitro. And he went, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you have input in writing it then, or was it just um, Vic and Bob themselves that wrote those? Oh no, they wrote everything. They yeah. wrote, they, not my bits. I wrote my bits. Yeah, yeah. But, um, the sketches and all the rest of it. I think some other. I think they did have like some outside writers write a couple of them, but um, they wrote. They wrote the best ones. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And who was your favourite guest? Um, Bridget Nielsen. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, I love Bridget Nielsen. She was going, she was going mad, you know, really, really off the wall. Like I, th- I think she sort of built a reputation um, on being a bit zany and crazy, and she thought, right, you know, this show is a. Um, and so I had to turn round to her when she was going a bit crazy, and, and I just went, Bridget, calm down, for <laughs> <Christ laughs> sake. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And um, what's his name? The other, the Americans were great on it because they were just a little bit bewildered. Um, what's his name? David um, uh, Liza Minnelli's ex-husband. Oh, David Guest. David Guest, yeah. David Guest, yeah. He was great. He was great. Um, oh God, this. Oh, I honestly, you know, I was I was filming something the other day, and this guy uh, came up to a guy called Joe. He was in Coronation Street, and he said, um, he says, yeah, I did an episode of Shooting Stars with you, and I went, what do you mean? He says, yeah, I was on it. I said, "What you 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 did this? You you were standing." He said, "No, I was a guest on shooting stars." <laughs> I was like, Shh, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> it's so many that you know. Well, thirty six, I guess. Uh, yeah. you know, in three series. Um, no, more than that, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, just I, I can't. There were so many good ones. The bewildered ones were great. And the Americans were were really good. Mm. So I take it yeah. all the guests have no idea. They're not they're not primed with what's going to happen not in the episode, people, are they? No, they're not primed at all. And the ones that try and um, ones that try too hard, <laughs> the ones that sort of come a cropper. You basically have to sit there and take it. Yeah. Mm. But 
if you if you if you go on that show, you kind of you you knew what you were in for, really. So you you know you signed up for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can always remember one of the, the first series when Larry Hagman was on it, and mm. he didn't have a fucking clue what was going on at mm. all. To be fair, why would you? No, no, exactly. No. I mean, there's people in you know that, that that know the show that you know were sat there going, I don't know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, it's like a rabbit in the headlights. That's you know, right. a very vulnerable place for a celebrity to be. Absolutely. You know, it's not a safe place. No, <laughs> not at all. But I think it's like you say, they just have to sit back and just let it sort of wash over yeah. them a little bit, don't they? And that... You've got to let it wash over you. If, you. if you fight it, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Angelos yeah. is still a character that you're still doing, really, with oh, um, yes. Barry from Been Watford. Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, do a, we do a podcast called the all-new ba- Angelos and Barry um, uh, podcast. We do that, and we do some shows together. And I go out and do shows on my own as well i do i, I do i do some stand-up as, as angelos um i'm working towards it just takes ages to write angelos live stuff mm. because i have to write it from um angelos's point of view and i have to write it from so the point of view of the the audience have to watch it and they have to believe what angelos is saying because as soon as they don't it doesn't work, mm, you know. So yeah. it takes a little bit of time to to really get it right. But do you enjoy that process, and do you enjoy the like the live performances as Angelos? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I love it, man. Honestly, it's, it's uh, when it's when it's on the song and it's going, it's the best thing. It, it's the best thing ever. It really is. I mean, you've got you know an audience in the palm of your hand and. You're basically pulling the strings, and everyone's mm. laughing. It's like, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Obviously, with Vic and Bob, you then went on to House of Fools. Yeah, um, and I, as as a lifelong Vic and Bob fan, I couldn't believe that I missed it when it first came on. So I caught wow. it on like iPlayer or whatever it was on, and totally it's fell in love well. with it. I don't, I don't know how I missed it. I honestly don't know how I missed it, but. Yeah. You know, it, it hardly got any publicity. I think that's probably what it was. And it and then all of a sudden there were these these two series of what is just perfect 100% Vic and Bob comedy. Genius, it? Mm. it is absolute yeah. genius. So uh, obviously because of Shooting Stars, is, or did you have to try out for the – did they write it for that part for you? I don't know. said, do you, uh, do you want to play Jim's idiot brother? And I said, yes, mm. um, no problem. Um, and they And they let me do it. So, you know, it was great. Um, yeah, I mean, just it's just again, it's just you, they wrote it all, and you just come in and say, yeah, I'll say whatever you want, me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. yeah, and it was you know another really good fun. So was it was it on purpose that like the Bosch character is basically two different characters in the two series, yeah. isn't he? He's a completely just... different person in the second series. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> there was no rhyme or reason to it then. No, not really. No, <laughs> changed it. <laughs> and why not? It's a shame it didn't carry on, isn't it? Really, it's, it, was... it is. I mean, they're just cool. They just go, yeah, do what you like, man. It's fine, you know. And um, I just found it easier to play. Um, well, they just put Bosch in a different place. I thought I'd just play it a bit differently, and um, you know. And in, in, in the first one, he was just very sort of aggressive and um, angry all the time. He was like Wolverine. I always thought he was like Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in the second one, 
I just wanted him to have gone to some sort of finishing school. So I just made him a bit more sensitive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he still said twat. Exactly. Or, that's what I was going to say. Was that part of the, the, was that in the script as well? Or was that just some yeah, of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as they, you know, as soon as people start saying it back to you, they, you know, you, you every script you'd find a few more that had gone in, you know, a few more twats, a few more twats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you did you do your own stunts as well? Because you took a few tumbles over the over the bar yeah, in in the second oh, series. Yeah, yeah, I was in the osteopath quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was flying over the bar all the time, and yeah, getting knocked over. Yeah, I did. I did all my own stunts. Yeah, wow. yeah I came downstairs. Yeah, um, yeah. They, uh, that's the thing about Vic and Bob. It's like they write these things, and then they go, "Well, how are we going to do that?" And they go, well, we'll just have to try it out on the day and any other show there would be all these health and safety things going on and no you can't do that because you've got to get this in and with them it's just like don't you just fall down the stairs <laughs> yeah, yeah all right you crack on it's yeah it's, it's um you know you, you would do anything for them as well so yeah. it's like if i broke my wrist i'd be like don't don't worry, it's fine. Yeah, just get them I to didn't... sign. They can sign the cast, can't they? Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, what about going back to High Rise when you filmed that with Ben Wheatley? Was that a because yeah. obviously Tom Hiddleston was in that as well. Was that mm. a great um, experience? It was a great experience. It really, really was. I mean, that was a bit overwhelming because I, I was like, I'd gone from all these little weird comedy shows to this thing. Well, I mean, it's a weird film. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a oh, really yeah. weird film. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just on a big, like, film set in Northern Ireland, just opposite where they filmed Game of Thrones. All right. Um, and it's the same thing. You're just sort of, you know, you're doing, you're acting in next to people that act. Um, it's just that these people, they fly around the world making movies all the time. Mm. So they're a slightly different personality, you know, to like Vic and Bob, who, who just, you know, Bob just watches hours and hours of telly. That's his hobby. He, he loves it. Um, but Hiddleston and Jeremy Irons, it's just like, what are you off to? What are you doing next? I'm flying to Hollywood to do Batman. All right. You go, oh, right okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Hiddleston's got his suit on going, so, so Dan, do you think I could be the next Bond or what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just a slightly different world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, a rarefied, rarefied world, that. Yeah. But, but is, it, is, is really. it a world you've got the taste of now? Is that, is that something you'd like to do more of? Well, yeah, of course, of yeah. course, of course. I mean, it's just, you know, acting and comedy is a funny business. It's, um, you know, you... you you land wherever you land. You, you, someone says, go and have a go at this. You go, all right, go and have a go. I mean, the idea of making some sort of plan just seems ridiculous. It's, it's, you just, um, you just sort of, you have to, you have to forge ahead with some things like comedy to write your shows and Brian and Roger, you do that. But acting, it's basically pretty much where the wind takes you, yeah. you know, where, where you get seen for and you get, and it's like, that's out of your hands, man. If I was if I was just an actor on my own, I'd probably go bonkers because there's like you know there's very little control over that. You do hundreds and hundreds of auditions, most of the jobs you don't get, mm. and it's just like oh man, it's crazy making. 
Do you need to have a certain kind of temperament and character to be an actor then? Obviously, a lot of rejection, I'm I'm assuming, you have to go through. And do you have to be quite strong-willed in your your mind? I don't think you're strong-willed. I think you just have to be... um, You just have to have that... um, The ability to cling on to the rock. You know, when everybody else is falling off, you just just keep clinging on. And, you know, you have to have hope and you have to you have to be positive and you have to see the good in everything i think um and yeah i mean you have to love it as well because otherwise you'd never do it yeah yeah. you really really want to do it i think yeah um but yeah i mean i don't i mean i sort of like acting was sort of something i kind of fell into really um it, it was you know comedy was kind of the thing i always set out to do um so i don't know i mean i don't i i guess i've got a comedian's temperament which is like get up on stage write stuff get back up on stage and then the acting stuff comes in at the side yeah so when it comes along lovely and um if it doesn't then i do my other thing so was, was acting or comedy what you always wanted to do, like, as a child when you left school, or...? Oh, mate, I, I, when I left school, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. <laughs> I'd been doing comedy and acting... I'd been taking the piss out of people, I guess, that's comedy, but I'd been in plays at school and what have you, and, and I was, a, you know, I guess a bit of a show-off. Um, so I thought, I'll probably just do that. I'll keep showing off. Um, and I ended up... I mean, I did nothing for my my entire twenties. I did nothing. Um, I was a courier for most of the time on a push bike, um, and I drove vans. And I was a primary school teacher, supply teacher, and I had loads of loads of shitty jobs. And not the primary school teaching is a shitty job, but <laughs> it, it's not. It, it's you know, it's a worthwhile thing to do. But loads of jobs just to pay the rent and and I didn't honestly I didn't start working till I was about 30 31 something like that yeah wow. and that was that was doing sketch shows we went to Edinburgh I used to be a part of this sketch show called the Dutch Young Conservatoire and um we formed and then they said I didn't know anything about this they said let's go up to Edinburgh and I was like why what the fuck is up in Edinburgh what what do we do up there why should why, why don't we just do it here yeah they're like no we've got to go to Edinburgh and go to the Edinburgh festival and I was like oh, I don't know. I did, I had didn't know what it was I didn't know what it was right. when I got up, I was like oh my god this is this is actually unbearable oh like, really all comedy shows <laughs> and like oh my god yeah I was overwhelmed with it completely so was your but, experience of, of Edinburgh not a, a positive one then, or did you sort of get used to it as you were you were up there? It was initially it was it was we are we it was five of us, five men, you know, young men in a comedy group that that comes with its own um, political issues, right? And I mean we got on really good, but you know there's little tensions and what have you. And our show was at 10.45 at night. Um, so we were off stage by about midnight. And then we didn't get to bed till 4 or 5 a.m. every night, you know. Mm, mm. So um, your world sort of turns upside down. And, and I had only recently stopped drinking. So that was a very um, – it, it was a tough place to be initially – 
Um, but going going there and seeing all these other shows and seeing all the other comedy people, it really was a world that I didn't know I didn't know anything about. And um, so that was it was just a massive eye opener, a massive eye opener. And once you've done it and done the whole, it was like a, it's a marathon, you know. You you're sort of you get to the end of it and you go, oh my god, I can't ever do this again. And then two weeks after you finish, you're like, right, what are we doing next? You know, let's get mm. back up and do it again. You know. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was a sort of experience that you grew to enjoy and you grew to love. But the first one was just like a wallop, you know, yeah. like, like getting hit by a steam train. <laughs> and but, is it, is somewhere you, you like to go now, is it with your new material? I'm going up there this year, actually. Yeah. yeah I'm going, I'm doing two weeks as Angelos up there, just trying out some stuff and trying out a new um about 45 minutes something like that um i mean it's a mixture of old stuff and new stuff and i'm just working it up nice and slow nice and slow so that i can so next year in edinburgh um i can go there and go yeah i think i've got something that um you know i i i like takes a long time yeah fine no (laughs) rush so the sort of the, like you say you got 45 minutes is that something that you're constantly working on sort of yeah. All the time, or do you give yourself a chunk of time to to work on well, it? Well, I'm going to give myself a chunk of time to work on it now because I've got two months to get another 15 minutes. I'd say is what I need, and then I'll go up there. But it's not just about having a load of material. You have to structure the whole thing, and you have to make it look like a coherent show, mm. even though it will not be. <laughs> it will just be a bag of shite. <laughs> but I'll try and put it together. So that people give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a means before you go out to Edinburgh and take it out there of testing it on someone? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got four of those, four of those coming up, and they will be rough as sandpaper. Let me yeah. tell you that. Nothing. They will be rough, but it's all right. You know. But well, what about works. what about at home? Do you is do you have your own? Um... <laughs> Around the mirror. <laughs> yeah, do you, do, I mean, do you perform to your wife or, or girlfriend? No. Or, yeah. no, 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 don't do that. Um, you can't do it. You, I mean, you can rehearse, so you can write a chunk of stuff and go, right, I've got to learn this and learn this and learn this and get it down, and then I've got to take it out in front of an audience. You'll only learn it, you'll, you'll only learn anything in front of an audience. You won't learn it in front of friends, mm. and you won't learn in front of um, family people. Because they're all very nice and generous, and they'll go, "Yeah, that's great," you know. <laughs> go, oh, yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. But you sort of know enough yourself now to go. I don't think it is. Mm, yeah. Wait until we put that in front of an audience, and then we'll, we'll we'll then we'll know, you know. And then it's not only one audience; you've got to put it in front of three audiences because the first one might tell you something, but you might not be committed and confident enough in front of that first audience. So you've got to take it to the next audience and then the next audience and then see where we're at by the end of that process. Mm, yeah. But uh, so in that theory then, do you, is it ever actually finished? Do, when, you're actually, when, you go on, when you go on a tour or something, then are you, are you still adding little bits and taking yeah, bits away? Yeah. I, think, I think so. I think you're still adding, you know, you must think of another joke. It, I mean, it, takes, it does take a bit of brain power to write a gag, but sometimes they appear in your brain and just go bang. You know, and you go, oh, that's let's give that a go. You know, hmm. um, so you might just drop it in, see what happens. But yeah, it's it's good to it's good to always be adding stuff because it's it's 
it then doesn't get boring, you know. Mm. You, you can enjoy yourself and test something out, and it gives it a little bit of motivation and frisson, and there's a little bit of um, jeopardy. Yeah. You know? yeah. This is probably going to sound like a stupid question, but when you're writing stuff for Angelos, mm. and say you're like, do you sort of speak it out while you're doing it, yeah. and do you do it in I, the Angelos's? I'll speak it out loud. As Angelos. As Angelos, yeah. Right. I'll go, yeah, because so much of it is in the intonation. Right. And the expression of the voice, <laughs> you know? Um, and you can express things as Angelos as I can't express as me, you know? Right. And, and his sort of naive enthusiasm about stuff is quite, um, is quite key to writing the joke. Yeah. So, yes, I will say it over and over again as Angelos, yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, right. I'm... Sorry, I can't. I can't stop no, it's brilliant. That. It's brilliant. Um, let's go on to uh, Brian and Roger because that is um, again. We spoke to Harry last week. You like it? Oh, I'm so pleased, man. I really am pleased that people like this. It's, it really it's, is. It's, it was that thing that it was one of those little. And I was talking to somebody today about these sort of podcasts you find that are not obviously number one podcasts or got millions of listens, but you sort of take ownership of it. And yeah. if it become, and I know this isn't good for you, but if it becomes too big, you don't want to share it with with Eric because it's like it's my I feel like it's mine. I feel <laughs> yeah, like it's mine yeah, and just yeah. mine. But because we have been telling everybody about it. I will. I will just That's stress that. You, with you, man. But it, it's you know we we uh, we're pleased with it because you know we think it's really good, mm. <laughs> and we just want people to hear it. And not everyone will you know buy into it and, and get it. Um, but enough people really, really like it to to make it exciting for us and to make it fun for us, you know. Yeah. So yeah. That we can come up with the next ridiculous plan. We've come up with some crackers just recently. Yeah, for series three. That's, yeah. awesome. Oh, That's awesome. Well, what's so great about it as well is we said to Harry last week, um, it's the fact that they're only like 14 minutes long. They are that commute length, and it's perfect. So you're listening yeah. to one on the way to work, one on the way back, and it. I just find it so much fun like that. Yeah, I think it's just better as well. You know, I, I, I that's another thing about Edinburgh when you go there and people's shows are an hour long. I, you know, I always get to about forty minutes and going, oh, this is really funny, but I, I've had enough of it now. Yeah, and I, and I think that about you know listening to comedy as well. I think if those shows were half an hour long, you've got the joke by then. You've got you know, there's only two characters and they're leaving messages over the phone. So you don't want them too long mm. because otherwise it will just, you just want a really tight, compact story. And then, you know, you know what's going to happen as well. <laughs> you just wait to find out what it is, what, what it will be. Um, so just keep it trim. Yeah. Now I don't want to spoil anything and I don't I, want to, but I, there was a question because I've been listening to it again all, all week and there's a question that you don't have to answer the question, but just think, just think about just, it. Just think about it. <laughs> Does Roger love Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah, the, the, the episode where, um, where Roger had some set, some nailed on sex. He could have had sex if he wanted sex. Cause this woman that he went for a date with just wanted sex and yeah. he sort of turned her down. And it seemed that he was more interested in what Brian was doing. Well, than, I think he turned her down because um, because Roger is actually in love, 
very much in love with his ex-wife. Right. He, he's desperate to get yeah, back yeah. with his ex-wife, desperate to do it. He knows there's no chance of that happening, but he doesn't want to spoil any possible future chance of that happening by inappropriate relationships with other women that he's got to re-explain to her, his wife, you know, when they get back together, even though mm. that's not going to happen. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think Roger probably is in love with Brian. As well. <laughs> um, but I think, I think, I don't think it's love. It's like it's sort of a male infatuation. Um, like this man has got everything Roger hasn't got and he looks up to him and he can do no wrong in his eyes because without Brian in Roger's life, he, he just wouldn't have any fun. And even though he ends up in the shit all the time, <laughs> all the time, sitting at home in Anne's front room, staring at the wall, you know, making trips to the benefits office. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he must have some feelings for him just to agree to some of the crazy stuff that Brian sets up for him to do. I think it's an infatuation, and I think it's um, that phrase where people fall in love with their kidnappers. Um, right, yes. I, yeah, uh, I can't remember the, the, the phrase. Stockholm. Stockholm Syndrome. That's it. Because um, it's basically like Brian is a cult leader, um, and Roger is the only member. And he can just get him to do whatever he likes. And, and, you know, Roger looks up to Brian, this brilliant businessman and big thinker. And, you know, all those things that, that, that Roger never has been. You know, he, he was a middle manager at Frankie and Benny's. And his <laughs> life is very, very ordered and structured. Mm. Yeah. And he's never got any money. At all. <laughs> no, he's really on the ropes financially. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, obviously, that but must be another reason Brian. why. Brian has never got any money either, but he he covers it up more than... Roger's very open about it. Yeah. He's very uh, frustrated about his lack of <laughs> finances. But Brian just thinks, oh, it'll come. It'll be around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Or if if Roger is getting some money for whatever kind of um, experiment is on him, Brian normally <laughs> takes the major amount of that sort he of does money, like doesn't he? Do it, yeah, with a perfectly reasonable excuse. <laughs> you know? So, so series three is that is that completely written now and uh, recorded? Or no, it's not. We're um, we've done about five episodes, I think, five or six episodes, and so we've got another six to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, we I, Harry must have told you how we put it together, did he? Yes, he did. Yeah, because because that was the question that I was talking to a friend of mine at work that I've um, sort of pushed him towards Brian and Roger to have a listen, and we both yeah. said the same thing was that like, do one of you just come up with one of the voicemails and then the other person just follows that on, or is it written or is it improvised? And uh, you know, Harry did sort of go in. Through that, was there any a point where you thought we might just like improvise some of the calls and see how it goes, or is it always been sort That's of structured? How it That's how it started. We just improvised the calls and see how it went. But, um, but you know, if you, you if you're trying to get people to listen, there has to be a story, mm. and there has to be differences with the characters, and um, you know, we had to establish those things. It took quite a long time to establish it all. Um, but once we'd done all the groundwork and we knew where we were at and who was who and 
we just started adding the bits, you know, in the, so in the voicemail, um, you know, we, we would, we would say, Oh, this has happened. I've got to do this. But then we'd start adding the details about my wife, Claire and my son, Jamie, and he, Linda's gone to Vancouver and I'm in the benefits office. So all those things, cause you have to have reasons why, um, you know, Brian has to have his motivation and Roger has to have his, and the two need to meet, um, at the end. That's the, that's the gold ones. Um, so we have to know, you know, where they're from and where they're going. Yeah. To be able to write it. Really. Did you, or, did you create the characters together then? Or did yeah, you? Yeah, well, initially they were both, cause Harry and I, um, did this show called the Kennedys back in 2014 mm. And we were on set, you know, we were on set, we were just making each other laugh with these pathetic people. Um, and they were, they were initially, they were both the same status. You know, we would both be sort of having conversations about meeting up and going to archery and, um, you know, have it, you know, I, I know you've got a lot of time on your hands this week, uh, Roger. That's right, Brian, I have. And so it'd be nice to maybe go and do a pottery class or something together. Yeah, well, that would be great. I would, I would, I would thoroughly enjoy that. If we, and then that was really good fun for us. But then we thought if we're going to make something out of it, one of us has to be a bastard and one of us has to be very vulnerable. Mm. Um, so we made that decision very quickly. Harry became. Bastard. <laughs> I remain the vulnerable one, um, and he's sort of a predatory psychopath who preys on me. Right, and I'm lap it up. So, yeah. <laughs> so when you're actually physically recording the calls, mm. is that sound effects that's behind you, or are you are you are like you actually well, in the street, them, or some of them? Yeah, all the street stuff, and is all just literally walking down the road, you know, doing the doing the call. Um, but then we send them. Um, we, so if we go to like Istanbul in one episode, we send them to our producers at Great Big Owl, mm. um, who who, um, who make it for us and produce it for us. Um, we just send all the voicemails, and the ones that don't have sound effects on, we say, "Can you put a crow crowing here? And can you, you know, make this sound like we're in Istanbul there?" Um, and they just do it brilliantly. Right, it's a real labour of love, and they just. They make it sound fantastic. So, because the, de the details are the things that, if Harry, you know, the details are very important. And if Harry leaves a message, basically just saying one sort of plot thing, but it will be surrounded by all this incredible detail about having to go to um, Bulgaria or the Eastern Europe to talk to this guy about this. And, and all of that is kind of irrelevant, but it just, paints such a vivid picture of this character and what he's doing. It, and those are the bits that I laugh at, you know, those real detailed bits. Um, so, yeah, it's all very important, all that detail. It's all the world building, isn't it? That's what, mm. that's what yeah. that makes it a bit more richer, I think. So you, have it, kind of, you have to believe it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you just said about Series 3 and things are going to change a little bit or be a bit, you know. Is there anything you can tell us without spoiling too much? Um. There are there are a couple of um, there are a couple of scenes in series three, a couple more scenes in series three where Harry or Brian and Roger are in the same room recording stuff together, so they're actually uh, conversing. We we had a little experiment with that in series two, but we liked it so much that we're going to 
done, we're going to do a few more of those in series three. Um, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Some very fun stuff. Um, and and I think we the, the world because the thing that's the great thing about doing podcasts or radio that you can go wherever you like in the world. Yeah. So we're flying off all over the place doing stuff. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so poor poor Roger, poor Roger. I can yeah. just feel that. <laughs> Roger's really in for it. Brian's going yeah. to send him up to space. As well, Roger. I think he's lost a finger in the last episode <laughs> of Series 2. <laughs> he lost his finger. It's like, he's, yeah, he's been through the Poor bugger. Uh, right, we're going to play a little game now, Dan. Uh, we're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You need to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain that said it. Right. Here we go. Number one. Do you know what? Yesterday I had six requests for cucumber sandwiches. Kerry. That was Curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Council found out that he's been hoarding jars of his own feces. Kerry. Well done. Yeah. One out of two. Well done. Number three. We they go. were both so worried about the Millennium Bug, they actually made a suicide pact. Curtain. That was Kerry. Number four. Go back. Sit over there, Arthur, please. Curtain. Well done. Two out of four. Last one. Okay. It's like running a kindergarten centre here some days, the way they behave. It's embarrassing. I'm going to say curtain. Three out of five. Well done, respectable sport. <laughs> super fan. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute super, super fan. fan. Absolutely. And I have got a little. This is a message I got from uh, Jill Cooper, who is Daisy Cooper, who plays Ker Kerry uh, in. Uh, this country she sent me a message saying daisy messaged down on facebook in 2011 a video of kerry that she did on her phone while she was working as a cleaner dan yeah. replied very funny do you remember that no <laughs> <laughs> but if but i would genuinely if it was funny i would have, i would have said it was funny because right. i get sent a lot of stuff to i bet as you can imagine yeah well, this, this would have been yeah go oh my god you know this would have been sort of like the very birth of kerry one or two bits that are funny you will you know you go credit where it's due there you yeah. go well, stamp of approval fantastic but i can imagine you do get sent a hell of a lot of stuff that's the, yeah the you do get sent some stuff when you you know and, and people are very very confident about it going this is gonna take you you're gonna love this yeah oh, oh right okay let's have a look <laughs> so do you get people coming up to you in the street trying to be funny in front of you or doing maybe doing angelos to you or, or oh, stuff you get drunk people and you know they, they they they'll have a go at angelos um but most of the time, when people come up to, to me in the street, they're very quiet about it because they'll go, they don't want to ask if I'm that weirdo off the telly. So they have to sort of, you know, politely go, are you mm, that and weirdo? I, go, I am. <laughs> 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 that must freak people out and make them excited all at the same time, mustn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I think they're very happy about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I went spinning today in the gym and someone came up to me, you Angelos? And I went, yeah. They said, what are you doing here? 
I said, well, I'm going to go cycling, you know. <laughs> and went, all right, good. Conversations <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> are pretty abrupt yeah. with some people, and other people are really nice and respectful. Well, not respectful, but just, like, nice and complimentary and, you know, yeah. it's good. Do, do people seem to then think that you really are like Angelos? They did, they did. I mean, when I first did first series of Shooting Stars, you know, <laughs> loads of people were saying to Bob, Where, who is he? And where's he gone? You know, and Bob would go, I think he's gone back to his burger van in the northeast. <laughs> he does between shows, that's where he goes. Yeah. And he loved, like, he loved it when people thought I was real. Yeah. Because I didn't get, I didn't put my name on the show. I only ever put Angelos's name on the show. So, you know, no one really knew who I was, which is perfect, you know? Yeah. Right, just before we sort of wrap everything up, I was looking on your IMDb, and I noticed that you were in The Office. Yeah. So what were you... Because it isn't, you haven't credited on there of what your character was in The Office. What what were you in The Office? I was called Dave. Oh, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I was in The Greengrocers in... Um, of course in you Christmas. were. Yeah. Because you asked him for his autograph, didn't you? Yeah, that's it. That's of course it. you were. Oh, I did not know that. Because mm. I think you were in the you were that was the Christmas special, wasn't it? Mm. And you were I think you were, you were in the advert as well the the, the advert for the, the when they were a- advertising the show coming up. I think you that was the bit. That was, yeah, I was. That's right. Oh, of course you were. How can I not have remembered wow. that, Dan? I feel like I've let you down right at the end. No, That's not the... at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, have you got any anything that you're working on at the moment apart from Angelos that you can tell us about, or is this the two well, months just... that you? Uh... Um, filming a drama for Channel 5 called Cold Call, all about um, cold calling, you know, ripping people off. Um, I play a bit of a bastard in that, a um, bit of a killer. Oh, uh, that was good fun. Nice. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're in the long-term process of trying to see if we can make Brian and Roger work for the telly. Harry, uh, Harry did mention that last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A long-term project. Um, get more live Angelos. Um, uh, I might write an Angelos film. Oh, uh, that'd be good. I've done a. I've done a. I've done. A, they've got a pretty good story together for that. So um, yeah, a few things. I can imagine it being like Die Hard. <laughs> it's well, weirdly enough, I wanted to make it like Midnight Run. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know where. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's. Uh, so that begs the question: Is, is Angelos Robert De Niro, or is he Charles Grodin in your film? He's he is Charles Grodin. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. very good. Have you got a, a website that people will actually be a woman? Oh right. Oh, oh okay. Very of the yeah. time. Very mm. of the time. Have you got a website for all your stuff, or do you you no. don't bother with that? No. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't need uh, that. Get, you know, she got all Squarespace, and, and they're always banging on about websites, aren't they? And well, the people podcasts. Have you got a website? Um, well, yes, we, we've got one for for this uh, this one. Podca- podcast. What do you do? Um, well, we do in a, we do another podcast uh, where we just chat about pop culture stuff and and, oh, right, and bits yeah. and pieces like that every week. Um, we've been podcasting for six years now, so we've been okay, we've done all. You know- Sorts oh, of goes. yeah, all sorts of kind of stuff. Well, we know there's no money in it. That's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, good, good 
We've got a good microphone. Well, we have, yeah, and that, that's all come through just you know building yeah. up and building up. But uh, where are you? We're in Sirencester in Gloucestershire, where where this country is sort of set and where everybody comes from. So but where yeah. are you physically? Are you in a shed? Yes, we absolutely. Are, yes. This, this is our studio. This is our studio. It's a converted shed that now has loads of Star Wars and all kinds of geeky yeah. stuff on the walls. Yeah. So whose garden is it then? It's mine. Your garden. My garden. Your yeah. Garden. Yeah. So it's uh, this is this is my man cave, if you like. This is where yeah. I tend to spend a lot of my time away from the children and the wife. But <laughs> that's fine. They don't listen to this, so they, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not in any yeah, trouble. Yeah. 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 But that's what it's all about. Dan, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Easy. Thank you. Thank Easy. you Thanks very much. Me. Good luck for everything with Brian and Roger. If you just stay with us Thanks. for a second, we'll just uh, get Neil to say his uh, bits and pieces. Absolutely. So you can find us on all the socials. There is uh, Facebook, there is Twitter, there is Instagram, there is Snapchat under WTAF This Country. We have a website which is WTAFpodcast.com. And you can email us at WTAFThisCountry at Hotmail.com. Well done. And if you want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF. We've got loads of cast signed bits and pieces for different levels. And uh, that's about it. It is. And come and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. And also go and subscribe to Brian and Roger. You will not regret it. You will not it be is, disappointed. It is some I fucked agree. up funny stuff there. It really, really is. Uh, yeah. So that's it from uh, Dan. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everyone else. And I go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.